about that. Welcome to Basic Binges on the Nom Talk Network. Uh, I'm Mike Manalo. Um, I'll be running this particular show uh, for tonight. And we are celebrating Marvel Studios Echo, uh, one of only three live action uh, projects coming out this year from Marvel Studios and within the MCU. Uh, but the first one to kick off the entire year and uh, one that we're grateful to celebrate for a multitude of reasons that we are going to get into today. Uh, that being said, I cannot do this alone, guys. Uh, much like the Avengers, much like everyone in Marvel, we actually have to have buddies for this because uh, it's going to be really boring if it was just me talking nonstop for like, you know, hours about Echo. Uh, so I brought in a panel of the most qualified and wonderful experts you will ever meet about Echo and about the Marvel Universe. I'm going to start with my buddy, Jen Athey. Uh, Athey, sorry. Jen, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? <laughs> Uh, do you want to give a short intro? Sure. Um, I'm Jen Athey, and I am a cosplayer, and I have an undisclosed real-life job, but I am mainly the director of the West Coast Avengers, which is a cosplay group that Mike is a member of, and we actually have one of our first big events of the year tomorrow, so I'm super excited, and that's why I'm also reclining back. And today I'll be enjoying some water because I had a gigantic margarita the size of my head at dinner, and um, some white cheddar popcorn that's also apparently invisible so um, i'm enjoying i'm excited to talk about this show tonight i was going to introduce myself in sign language but i'm a giant klutz and i sprained my hand two weeks ago so my right hand so um i cannot do that tonight without severe pain but it's really great to be here and uh just trust that i can spell jen with my hand in sign language Jen is a trooper and our El Capitan, and uh, much like the real Captain America, um, yeah, she could do this all day. So uh, wish her wish her good vibes as she she heals up, guys. Um, yep. I forgot to say I'm also drinking a Coke Zero. Uh, this is basic benches after all, and I want to make sure that everybody has uh, you know libations or food in hand. So uh, that being said. Uh, let's move on to uh, Tony Sanchez. Uh, Tony, Hello. how you doing? And, and uh, would you like to give an intro? Hi, yeah, I'm Tony Sanchez. And uh, what am I doing? I'm actually, um, I've got like a little low rent, like fondue kind of happening. So I've got Ooh. like my chocolate pudding je jello and I have fruits. So that's what's going to be happening all tonight. And we've also got some other assorted little fruits. So it's semi-fancy. <laughs> yeah. No. Not semi-fancy. Tony, you fancy. That's, that's, yeah. And, and that low is... sugar jello. So quasi-healthy. So <laughs> we're trying. Um, it, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, that sounds delicious sure. as hell. Uh, I, I need some jello and some uh, pudding and some fruit in my life because uh, the doctor said that I don't get enough fruit. Anyways, um, last but certainly not least, uh, Michael Flores. How you doing, buddy? Good. I need some fruit too. The doctor said I, uh, <laughs> you and I are both the same on that one. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not even helping it right now because I'm eating uh, barbecue Doritos and a water. All right. so, I got, I don't know. I got uh, jalapeno lays. So we're, we're good. <laughs> yeah. There you um, go. I, I also, before we start, I just want to say um, tonight we uh, have the pleasure of uh, raising money for uh, the uh, Kiyamichi, or Kiyamichi Commissioned Officers Association. Uh, basically, this is a future scholarship that's awarded to students within the boundaries of the Choctaw Nation. Of course, the Choctaw Nation is a big, 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 big part of this series, which we will dive into. And uh, we are definitely 
definitely happy to be partnering with them to raise some some money for them uh for major healthcare related degrees um for anyone who's uh you know getting that scholarship so yeah um excited to 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 do that and to dive in um yeah uh how are you guys feeling you guys ready to talk about some echo yeah let's do it let's do it all right uh the first thing i really wanted to just you know get into was everyone's expectations of the show like for me it's an mcu thing of course i'm going to be so freaking excited for it i will say this um i loved hawkeye i thought hawkeye was amazing but the one character that i felt like you know i didn't get as invested in because they didn't spend nearly as much time with this character was my lopez um you know we we of course love kate we of course love clint uh, we love that he gets closure. We love Kingpin because we love Daredevil. Um, but but to be frank, I mean, like Maya kind of got the short end of the stick because she's dealing with such heavy hitters, which the focus of that series was was really revolving around them. So to get an actual series to flesh her out was really a treat, even though it wasn't something that I really was highly anticipating on my Marvel bingo card. There's fantastic four there's the avengers movies echo of course is is relatively lower scale when compared to that um and to my surprise this this not only exceeded my expectations they just blew them out of the water it's such a good show so i i really really enjoyed it and that was my experience but i want to kick it to you guys and see what you guys thought about it um michael i'll start with you um expectations and how'd you feel when you when you dove in uh like you, I was also really uh, interested in finding more about uh, Maya Lopez character. The last time I had actually known anything about her was in when she was introduced in the comic books uh, during the New Avengers storyline when she was Ronin, and uh, and after that I just kind of stopped following the comic books. But so it was interesting to see their take on it. Um, uh, as far as the show goes, I was I had I was expecting it to be uh, more in line with like the Netflix. Uh, side of the Marvel stuff, um, it just didn't lend itself to the the big you know bright costume superhero world of the regular mainstream MCU. So, um, so I was expecting that, and I think I got it. You know, I got basically the uh, like a another continuation of the Netflix uh, Marvel type stuff with that one. So I was happy with it. Yeah, yeah, and the show's so much better because of it. You know, yeah. I think um, that's mm -hmm. personal opinion, but yeah. Um, Jen, what about you? Uh, expectations for the show and and did the show meet it, exceed it, uh, go, you know, go lower than that? Um, how was it? So I'm still working my way through the Netflix series and I've seen a little bit of Daredevil, um, but really what I know about Echo comes from Hawkeye. Just And so she was definitely underused in Hawkeye, I think. The only other yeah. character that was less used was... Um, uh, Tony Dalton's character was yeah. I, I was so excited that he was in that and then I was like what what is this he's he's a joke with a sword um like a punchline mm -hmm. so I, I think also you know Mike and I especially we were used to him as Lalo Salamanca so then I was just like what is this um so I was really excited to see her and I I was a little I was kind of confused because in my head I also equate her a little bit with like the tracksuit mafia so I'm like how are they going to pull this off but not having them in there what really was the perfect way to do that. Um, I was a little nervous because gratuitous, like over the top violence is not my thing. I can't really truck with that. And I read somewhere before the show came out, 
Quentin Tarantino levels of violence. And I'm like, oh no, I can't. I've only gotten through one Tarantino movie all the way. And that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because my son told me it was the only one I would be able to sit through. And he was right. And he warned me about the end. So um, I got through that one. But I, I didn't feel that way about this. So I actually, I really enjoyed this. It has one of my top five favorite fight scenes in it in all of my, the MCU too. So um, in fact, I almost used the same background as as Mike because I saw that. I'm like, yes, um, I loved the representation in it. I loved, I don't know, I just, I, I enjoyed it so much. I, I've watched it twice now all the way through, like into in, in a sitting. I watched all five episodes in one sitting twice now at home. So um, yeah, I it exceeded my expectations by leaps and bounds. I'm actually, they're gonna offer a class at my work. My work's real big on um, diversity inclusion. We were, I work for a managed Medicaid plan and we serve San Bernardino and Riverside counties, which are very underserved populations. And so diversity, inclusion, and equity are big in my company, and we are—they're uh, offering sign language classes. So I'm—I'm I'm waiting for that email to drop because I'm going to be on that like a fly on honey. And um, I've been learning with videos too, so because <laughs> I've wanted to learn sign language for a while, and this really kind of showed me. We have someone in our group who signs. Um, she's learning, and she's pretty good at it. And she was the one who taught me how to sign my name. So um, I think it's opened up a world to me of how we can communicate with our cosplay group when we're on these visits. And, and there was something that I'm sure we'll touch on as we get further into the series. Um, there was a piece about learning sign language and, and communication that was a, a big kind of a plot point in, in the show that um, really resonated with me. Uh, not because I have that issue in my life, but it was, it was something that kind of Watching her grow up like in flashbacks with um, Kingpin and then watching as he used all this different like tech and stuff to try and communicate with her, you know, and, and the different ways that people tried to relate to her um, and communicate with her because she's deaf, you know, and, and when the easiest answer is just to learn sign language, um, that kind of stuck to me a lot. And I think that the easiest answer sometimes is just to learn the easiest way to communicate with someone, right? So I think that's a message that came to it that I got out of it, and um, that kind of stuck with me this whole time. Oh. 100% agreed. And and you bring up a really good point that I think we'll dive into a little later, but the sheer fact that Kingpin claims, oh, I love you, you're like a daughter to me, and he couldn't have even been bothered to learn a lick of sign language uh, to communicate with this so-called daughter of his just goes to show you how manipulative and how little he actually cares for anyone other than himself. It's very, uh, very Trumpish. Anyways, um, like, uh, yeah, the other thing that I kind of wanted to point out and agreed with you, Jen, um, just a complete tangent that's not even related to to Echo. Uh, you and me, we are BCS brothers, uh, BCS uh, friends, buddies. Um, better call Saul buddies and I really expected Tony Dalton so coming 2027 the swordsman Netflix series right um, we're gonna get more of him hopefully uh, but but yeah um, really great points um, Tony what about you expectations and uh, did, did this show meet your expectations exceed them or go under um, well 
I'm indigenous myself. I'm a member of Seminole Tribe of Florida. So uh, very different <laughs> from the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. But as a comic book nerd, as a, you know, content creator within the space, like obviously I was just going to be overjoyed with anything they could have put out because comic books have been and comic book related entertainment have been really my only consistent stream of native representation. Um every other facet of, you know, outside of like, you know, native art authors or, you know, that kind of like genre, it, everybody else is really, really slow. However, like the sci-fi genre and specifically comic books seem to just be like fairly consistent. And while the representation and the quality of the representation, you know, it varies, you know, from writer to writer and, and it's certainly from illustrator to illustrator. But I think I just so vividly remember like being able to like open up a comic book, like giant size X-Men number one and like John proud stars, like right there, you know, like he was an Apache, you know, X-Men and like, that was huge, like for me. And then to like, be able to like watch X-Men 92, um, you know, and then like, see like, you know, again, like, you know, just native and indigenous superheroes. That was so amazing. And then to like, know that there were going to be indigenous superheroes and indigenous characters throughout the MCU. Again, massive, huge, could not be more thrilled about it. So, I mean, honestly, my, I was already knowing that I was going to be like very forgiving of this series. However, like once I become a little bit more objective, just outside the thrill of representation, yeah, it's got all the same kind of complaints that I usually have for Disney Plus shows, but I mean, we'll get yeah. into this here, uh, but honestly, none of that really like overshadows, I think, ultimately the things that I do like about this. Um, I think the performances here are really great. Um, I think that really where this series kind of like suffers is in like the writing and mm -hmm. not even within the representation or the quality of like you know, certain interactions, it's just more about like the pacing and sp specific plot points that I'm just kind of like, yeah. ah, it, like, it's not as seamless as an experience as I would have wanted just from any story. Um, but again, I'm just so excited to see so many like familiar faces because the one thing that, you know, I actually have, um, I work uh, for a native led organization and the staff is primarily indigenous. So we actually have like these little coffee talks every so often. And this morning we had one to, to talk about, this is completely unrelated to the stream. We talked about this show and somebody remarked like, listen, I love seeing Tantu Cardinal. However, she's always in every single like indigenous project. Yeah. And the same yeah. thing over about like, I think about three or four of these actors that we always see. I'm never going to complain about seeing Graham Greene, but I certainly understood the criticism, which is like, right. yeah, I get it. It's we the call same. the same like five to ten yeah. actors and we cast We, we have the entire cast of Dark Winds and Reservation like Dogs it. in Echo, all in the right. same yeah. shows right? Um, versus giving others a chance, right? Right. And I mean, like, that's like a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you want to see your faves keep on working consistently. And on the other hand, you're just kind of like... This is a small pool that Hollywood has. But again, am I really that upset about it? So it's kind of like that. I think most indigenous people like consuming mainstream uh, entertainment yeah. kind of feel that way where it's like if we're not making our own and not giving, you know, chances to other folks, then like obviously we run into this specific issue. Again, it's like a nitpick. Um, and I think <laughs> that would probably be the... <laughs> I don't even know if it's like a, a a negative thing, but it was definitely something that I just kind of noticed where I was just like, yeah, all my faves are here. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, as far as like meeting expectations, I would say, yeah, met expectations, um, surpassed in some regards, but definitely met expectations in a not so great way either. So, or as well. So. Understood completely. And and two points to add to that, you know, um, one, uh, as be, being Asian myself, I, I feel your pain because it's it for every project that revolves around Asian culture, it's always Michelle Yeoh, Kiwi Kwan, you know, and Aquafina. Daniel Day Kim. And like, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Stephanie Shu. And it's kind of like, guys, you know, try and make bigger start. You you're talking about inclusion, but it's kind of fake inclusion in a way, because you're only casting five actors in every project that's you know, about indigenous people or about uh, Asian Americans or Asians or anything like that. If you really cared about inclusion, you know, go and search for the multitude of Asian actors and indigenous actors out there that are auditioning for these shows and discover new talents. You can't get, you know, you can't get a, uh, you know, Henry Golding without auditioning someone first, you know, and then just sure. you can't just reuse that same character or same character actor multi like a hundred times over that. Uh the second point is I will give Marvel credit for this. Um you mentioned John Proudstar, Thunderbird and Giant Size X-Men number one. Um you know what happened immediately after that? The first issue after Giant Size X-Men number one, the th Thunderbolt Thunderbird is killed. Like yeah, yeah. there goes your indigenous representation automatically. And it's not until I guess maybe Danny Moonstar or or Forge that you start getting more indigenous representation, but that's at least a decade or two after Thunderbird is killed, you know? But now we actually have a series that revolves around Echo and she's not dead and it's not, she didn't automatically just die in Hawkeye's show. We got a show for her. So uh, thank God for the evolution of representation in the past several years, because we didn't want to just nuke the fridge with a character like Echo the same way we did Thunderbird. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I do. You kind of touched upon this, Tony, and I kind of want to open it up to the, the group as well. Um, I love this show. I definitely want to get into everything about it that I absolutely love. But I want to start out with the things that didn't work for you guys. Um, and Jen, I'm going to start with you. Um, was there anything about the series that maybe didn't quite work for you? Um, I mean, I think the the good definitely outweighs the bad, but yeah. overall, was there, were there, was there, was there stuff that you would criticize? The pacing, it could have been more than, um, what, what was the total? It was like, it ended up being like a total about three hours long. I think so. It's like Something five episodes, 40 minutes each. Yeah. yeah. It could have been longer. Um, <laughs> I would have liked. I would have liked more of the the literal little interstitials like they did with um the history lessons for me cuz I was I would like a lot more of that and to your to your point Tony about seeing the same faces over again cuz for me I'm like oh look Graham Greene I love him love um, I was him. like oh dances with wolves and everything else twilight 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 julia jones hey <laughs> Hey, it's Sam from Twilight. Yeah. You know, where's Jacob? Um, you know, so, but um, they found a Lockwood Cox. They found yes. an indigenous woman who is deaf and is an amputee. Yeah. They could probably find some other fresh talent. Just a, just a hunch. Just a hunch. Um, and, and they found her. She ended up being the biggest badass on the planet. That's what you do when yeah. you find undiscovered talent, you know? Yeah. It's like, 
you know, you didn't have to stop there, guys. You could have kept going. But, you know, um, I guess like with anything, it's baby steps. I don't know. Um, I, it's not my conversation to speak on representation. It's not my conversation. But I, from the outside, I was like, you guys, you had such a great start. And then you just were like, nope, we're going to stop here. So, um, you know, but for, no, for the pacing, um, it would be, it felt like we rushed to certain scenes and then they slowed it down. And an example of that is that amazing fight scene. It was yeah. like we we would run and then here's this whole scene in the roller rink that seems to stretch out forever. And it was amazing. I loved every second of it. And then let's run again. We're going to run to this other stuff. And so I think that was, it, it felt like one of those like, okay, go, go, go. Okay, stop. We're going to have this whole long thing. And then we're going to go, go, go. Um, so it really fell off. I had no concept of how much time passed in the series. Like, I don't know if it was three days, two days, a month. I had no idea what the time span was, um, which was fine. I, I don't know that it was important, but I, I, I sometimes like to know that it, it gives it a little more sense for me of realism and real you know this makes more sense to me if I know how much time is actually passing because it's more realistic um I think that was probably one of my bigger bigger problems with it but that also then tends to skew the writing because some of the writing in the fast sped up parts gets a little lazy and um has holes in it so that would probably be one of my bigger complaints but then they dazzled me with that that fight scene and I was like, oh, and biscuits. I loved biscuits and I, I would I want him to have his own. I want biscuits and Daryl, Thor's roommate, to hang <laughs> out and just give That'd me a great. series. That's all. I'm, I mean, and then throw, in, throw in Tony Dalton, have him be a trio, you know, that would be, have him teach be them sword fighting. <laughs> that would be that's a show right there. I'm sorry. We just we we fixed the MCU, guys. Again, um, I'm, I'm going to remind y'all I had a margarita, so <laughs> and a head injury in the last two weeks. So, you know, just go with it, guys. Go with it. Oh, uh, um, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jen. I think uh, Tony and you also said so, too. The pacing, the pacing did have issues. Um, I think for me and you kind of touched on this as well. Um, I, it, the ending for me was just so rushed and anticlimactic. And that is a that is a recurring problem with the Disney plus Marvel shows. You have these amazing series. WandaVision is probably one of the best examples I could think of because the show is so fantastic. It's so good. And, and, and until the end, and then they just rush everything. And I'm like, no, why there's everything's hanging. I don't care about echo, you know, stopping Fisk with the power of love. That's just, that's such a cop out. <laughs> And I'm like, no, what, what is this, guys? Um, and and the nice thing is, we we are also accompanied in the chat by a couple of folks too, who who kind of agree. Uh, our buddies Andy and Katie. Hey guys, how you doing? Um, we've got uh, Andy says hello, good evening uh, to the chat and the panel. Uh, and then we also got a comment. Uh, it definitely need to be two more episodes longer. Agreed with you hundred percent. Uh, speaking of fresh talent, her baby cousin who plays her younger self is so good. Yes, uh, the the kids in this show are such great actors. I, I really did love that. Um, and and them growing up to be a Lockwood, uh, Devery Jacobs, uh, who just embodied it. 
this was a really a really good match of younger actors and and older actors too so so good call outs um tony um we touched on it a little bit with you and the pacing um but what else didn't work for you was there anything else um i really didn't buy fisk's trajectory throughout this entire show because i mm. <laughs> we're probably going to skip ahead to the end and that's fine because spoilers uh but skedaddle if you don't want the spoilers um he's willing to forgive being shot in the face but the fact that she doesn't go onto the plane <laughs> is a step too far for him and that's enough to send him into a murderous rage. And the idea that like Fisk is like so like crazy with like rage and like domination and control. Like I just don't buy it because what we know about Fisk and the reason why he's been such a fascinating character to watch is the fact that like, yes, he's incredibly ruthless when it comes to his business dealings and, you know, with just asserting himself as Kingpin. And yet when it comes to the people that he loves and cares about, like, he's an entirely different person and he's equally devoted, but just like in a much more soft and like, we love that about him because it just actually paints a complicated individual as opposed to just mm -hmm. a, you know, regular schmegular Marvel villain. So when he is forgiving of her, even though he's literally again, shot in the face, not just in the face, in the eyeball for almost like certain death. I don't know very many other people that would have been able to like survive something like that. And yet he comes out of it willing to forgive her because he loves her so much. I buy that. But then just throughout the course of, you know, again, these very short episodes and a few conversations and a few interactions, and we can debate as to like the validity and the depth of that love and commitment. But I do buy that there is a relationship there. So when all of a sudden he just decides to be angry at her and be angry at her to the point of killing her. Like it just be, it 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 did it didn't ring true to me. Um, mm. to me, it felt like the more organic approach would have been if there was a secondary villain that he would then position himself as the antihero and ultimately as someone that would have to be aligned with Maya and leave her alone and then still make his way out to uh, New York in order to like do whatever he's going to do for the upcoming Daredevil series. Um if we're talking about him wanting Maya to take on as like his presumed heir, why is there not his like right hand dude that's been there forever and is actually jealous and like furious at the thought that like the person who just tried to kill you, that's the person that you're going to hand this over to, as opposed to me, the person who's been loyal throughout this entire time, or has been trying to prove themselves to you while in your employ. That just seemed like such a natural progression and a natural way yeah. to position that. And then even at the end, there were so many random <laughs> minions running around that I just was kind of like, why? Why are you yeah. there? I don't <laughs> understand. And it just kind of felt like somebody somewhere lost a sheet in the script and they completely forgot about this secondary villain that was supposed to be positioning themselves firmly against Maya. And Kingpin would finally have to just be like, yeah, dude, you got to go because ultimately, yeah, she did try to murder me. Yeah, she has rejected me. Yes, she wants nothing to do with me. And I still love her and I still will align myself with her, even if she wants nothing to do with me. That would have rang way more true to me because it just felt like one or the other, either he's done with you and this is total pure manipulation, which I again, I don't buy because then why aren't you just sending minion group after minion group until she is dead? Why are you taking yeah. the time? to step foot into her hometown. It just, there was just too, it, it became too wishy-washy for me. 
And I think there are some writers who think that <laughs> wishy-washy is like code for complex. And to me, it just kind of yeah. seemed like one foot in, one foot out. And it just, it, it, I, it, it didn't ring true to anything that I've known about Fisk so far. And there have been different iterations of him and it still didn't fit with any of the things that I've come to see from him, especially within, you know, the MCU. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like that at all. <laughs> those are valid. Those are valid criticisms. And the thing that makes it even more murky is if this, we don't know really for sure if the Netflix series and that version of Fisk is the same Fisk here and the continuity is the same because they could be different Fisks, you know, or they could be the same Fisks. It sounds sure. like it's the same Fisk, you know, but if it is the same Fisk, then how he is with Vanessa and how he is with, I guess, his, his future son and everything like that would be would be very different than than echo and we we never heard anything about maya lopez throughout any of the daredevil well i also just uh, series or shows or anything like that right you know we've yeah. talked about the pacing about how like it like the end just like stumbles upon itself to get to the end he like has this confession of like yes i'm the one who killed your father why did we ever get mm -hmm. that reason as to like why dad had to go I, was that in hawkeye was that explained in hawkeye i feel like they might have brought it up, but I don't remember. I, I feel like Clint told her something, but I don't remember the specific answer. What I remember is him saying, like, Kingpin is actually the one who set your debt. He's the one yeah. who sent you there. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't yeah. really make any effing sense. Oh, so on the orders of Kingpin or, like, from a tip, an anonymous tip that you've now traced back to King? Like, it, I'm willing to forgive so far. Sure, and it sure. seems so wishy-washy. And again, it just kind of seemed like a very, like, ham-fisted sort of way of just saying like this is a villain and we have to make him a villain again and it's like that might be true however there are other ways to do that with this specific character because you guys have already established even if we completely disregard uh the netflix you know canon we've already established that like he's not just a straight you know like i'm gonna rule the world kind of like villain so it, it i don't know it just seemed very out of character for him and again the idea that like he can forgive being shot in the face in the eye but not getting on the plane way yeah. too fucking far I, I i i will say i think that that worked for me okay um but i i think your points are incredibly valid and i understand why why it wouldn't work for you and why it probably didn't work for a good amount of people. Like, I think for me, I always looked at Kingpin as someone who he, he loved her, you know, he does love her. Uh, and he did want her to take over. Uh, Wesley's dead at this point. I think that's who you're referring to as right hand man. Wesley's dead. He died in the daredevil series. So I don't I think he had that? a successor. <laughs> There's huh? not another guy who's like mad. With I, not not that's been introduced at least as the far guy as with the mean. rpg he doesn't want any of this action i mean you know, the, the dude that the yeah. Welsh guy or whatever <laughs> the guy on top so. of the rv whatever it was like, like anyways, I, that guy doesn't want in on this but i mean like i i can i can't see that him having that same kind of relationship with that guy as he would with maya or even wesley or something like that since he knew maya right. since she was a little girl you know um so i feel like he he it's easy for him to forgive the i thing because he understands vengeance and he understands rage and he understands what it's like to lose people um but then you know when he gave her the choice to come back to him and then she just outright rejects it that's what he took personally and and kingpin this version of fisk as we know is kind of 
kind of an infant, you know, in 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 his temperament, you know, he's he's infantile in his temperament. When when somebody embarrassed him in front of Vanessa, his response was to decapitate him with a car door. So it's very easy for him to take that irrational, emotional step in saying, well, you rejected me, despite the fact that you had no reason to, despite the fact that I've forgiven you, you're still rejecting me. So I want nothing to do with you at this point and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's it's a very he's a very emotionally driven character, I think. Um, and I then think she, she fixes him if... with the power of love. Yeah. I think I'd be with that if we didn't have an extended scene where because the ice cream dude is just not even mean to her, but just like incredibly flippant and disregard, like just dismissive of her. He like semi beat. I, I guess we see him beat him to death. I'm not really sure if he's dead or not, but that's the level of commitment he has to her. But again, like the rejection is the step. I don't know. It just feels very. Sure, it, sure. Like it wants its cake and eat it too. And I still don't understand how it serves the end point. He just needs to get on the plane right. back to New York to run for mayor. Right. That's it. So I don't yeah. understand why we have to take the extra step and turn him into Maya versus Kingpin. But anyways, I digress. Let's talk about other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't get a chance to hear what Michael, what didn't work for Michael. Um, and I want to kind of open that up to him as well. Michael, um, I wanted to give you a forum. What, what didn't work for you? Same things with everybody else. The pacing wasn't okay. very good. I didn't think that Kingpin was um, was positioned as a big a threat as he should be. Um, they really, they really like took him down several notches from what he used to be. Um, he mm. just wasn't very threatening. He was just, um, I mean, the, his character. I think is the and the biggest thing from this show is that his character was was just depowered, basically. You know, as far as like you know. He wasn't as brutal as he usually is. And also for a show that's supposed to be labeled TVMA, I mean, aside, for, aside from the first three episodes, there's not that much. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have like promoted it as like, oh, the first TVMA show. Like, it's like, okay, the first three episodes, but the last two were like very just like lackluster and didn't have any really good fight scenes and nothing. I mean, you'd expect Kingpin, yeah. like I, I was expecting him to go like crazy and just like slaughter like her family or something like that, because that's, that's the kingpin from the comics or from like, even from the Netflix series that you would know, but he was, I just didn't like the portrayal of him in this one. I thought they just mm -hmm. did a bad job in, in uh, showing him, showing him off in this one. Um, but yeah, like, I, I feel like this could have been helped with maybe another episode or two. Um, yeah. uh, aside from that, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's the main things I didn't like about it. That's that's fair. I, I I think I might be the only pro kingpin guy on this on the call, um, which is totally okay. But uh, I I think everyone brought up really strong valid points. I definitely agree with you, Michael. I mean, when you think about the kingpin in the comics, well, I I, I feel like the kingpin in the comics and even the Spider Man animated series. If you guys grew up watching that, he was always the guy who didn't want to get caught with the knife, but he was the one that kind of planned everything, you know. And um, with when Netflix you know debuted this version of kingpin he was a lot more brutal than than really what we saw in things like the spider-man animated series and in the comics i i also agree with you michael about the point that like this is tvma and it's kind of like marvel marvel studios not marvel as in netflix marvel but marvel studios kind of yeah. starting to get their toes into that netflix world 
there's certainly a lot more blood and headshots in this and John Wick kind of style violence uh, than you've seen in any of the other MCU projects. Um, but you never you never go full Daredevil. They, they're almost afraid to do that. And I yeah, kind of exactly. wish to your point that if this was M.A. and this was supposed to be the same kind of tone and feel as those Daredevil uh, Netflix shows, the Defender shows, um, that they kind of go full on um real gritty you know really really yeah. gritty um so i agree with you there um just taking it to the chat really quickly um a couple of folks debating about whether or not at peggy says should watch daredevil i know i know that that sounds Talk bad out of it. And it, it it's it's really goddamn good though but it is it is a lot more brutal and bloodier than this so um i, I, I really know hope i can't it. watch punisher i already know that's not that's off the table i like punisher that was a good one i just... was was really good um yeah, and good bernthal one. is so good as, as he's, he's the he's only great. person in my opinion who could yeah. be frank castle um but the daredevil show is really good i would also encourage you um if you're not going to watch daredevil jen watch jessica jones that was yeah. my favorite honestly, that's on my list. of all the series that's that's my favorite in all my but, free time yeah yeah definitely um I think I think I loved it. Um, our friend um, liked it. Our our executive officer really liked it as well. Um, so I rec I recommend that uh, highly. Uh, and then, but every time yeah. I see John Bernthal now, all I think of is is he still holding that goddamn fork because <laughs> of the bear? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. That's how. That's what the Punisher is. He just throws forks at people. There um, we go. Oh, then I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then he has to is. go. He has to go to this restaurant in Chicago and learn from uh, <laughs> Olivia Coleman. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. I'll I mean, this. Frank Castle does have a lot of aliases, so I'm this just saying. True. This is yeah. true. Um, I will yeah. say this about um, who kept sending these poor interpreters to Kingpin. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's. There's like an agency, and they're like, we no longer send people to that address because they never <laughs> come back. At one point, horrible. they were like, why are they supposed to bring their own plastic tarps? What? I don't understand this direction. <laughs> that was, I was um, like, this poor woman. Oh, my God. Uh, for the for the last half of the show, really, uh, we spent a good amount kind of venting our frustrations about things that didn't work for us. But I, I want to flip it now. And I want to talk about the things that you guys just absolutely loved about this show. Like, for me, uh, two words, really. Uh, Alakwa Cox um she is just she is so phenomenal she really was a wonderful actress really holds her own from an action standpoint this is this is keanu reeves level good shit you know right here and and uh her biscuits fantastic um really i to jen's point earlier point the flashback sequences uh of of her ancestors in the first chakta that at first was like what's going on but then when it all comes together, I really loved it. And I really thought that the mythology behind that for something fabricated, at least for this show, because it, it's not really in the comics. Um, I thought they did a great job. They did a stellar job at that. And uh, Sydney Freeland, I believe, who was the showrunner and director. Um, amazing, amazing job with a lot of the action sequences here. Like the roller rink scenes. Just so that's yeah. John Wick level. Good, so good stuff. Um, stunt work, <laughs> choreography, everything. So all of that really worked for me. And then getting me to love Maya Lopez as a character and really sympathize with her and her family, that really worked for me too. Um, I want to kick it to you guys. Uh, Michael, I'm going to start with you. Um, what worked best for you on this show? 
Um, I agree that Alaka Cox is great. She was a, definitely uh, the highlight of this. But I, I think also um, the changing of her powers, that worked for me. I, at first, I thought I wouldn't like that. Um, originally, her power is that she uh, she can mimic anybody's uh, uh, physical motions. So she's like, she's a really good fighter because she can just see that and she can mimic that. And then like, you yeah. know, she, if she saw someone playing piano, she could like mimic that too, which is, it's it's something that's it's a cool power but it's not like i don't know it's not as is you know as astonishing as like some other powers would be i think the idea that she's echoing the power the like the abilities of her past descendants mm-hmm. i think that's a really interesting take on it i like that a lot it worked for me um i liked um her supporting cast i thought like the, like her her family extended family and friends i thought that was really rich like a rich um history of with, between her family and friends i thought that was really um something that i'd like to explore more if they ever did another one it's like uh biscuits was great i liked uh the her grandmother and her relationship with um uh, uh graham green green's character um her relationship with her uncle i thought they created a world that i believe she would live in she would come mm. from and and, and it informs what kind of a person she is i believed all of that so I think they did a good job with that. Um, I just think they didn't bring it home. But I mean, um, yeah, as agreed. far as everything else, they, they laid the foundations for a really solid character, a really solid story about um, a woman that's, uh, you know, from a, a small town, indigenous background that like would, that would, it explains why she would be doing what she does, why she would be, <laughs> Even even like going to New York and becoming uh, a hit woman for like uh, the Kingpin and stuff like that, it's 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 clearly explained. It makes sense. Um, her background makes sense. Um, so I think that was just great. Like they really took the time to develop the character and the character's um, supporting cast. So yeah, I I agree with you so much. Um, and and to to also emphasize your point, uh, having her just be a, a perfect mimic. We've seen that in the MCU. That's her name was yeah. Taskmaster, you know. Yeah. Um, and and to to repeat, Taskmaster wouldn't be uh, a stellar, you know, uh, move for them. Although a Taskmaster versus Echo fight, if Echo also had mimic abilities, would be, be goddamn cool. phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, that being said, um, yeah, it's so much richer when she echoes, you know, the powers of her ancestors, you know, uh, into the present. I thought that that was so rich. That was so interesting. That's so different. Uh, I really like that. Um, and then, um, yeah, you know, I, the family's brilliant, potentially setting her up to be something bigger later on would be phenomenal. Uh, I had a different point, but I'm going to stop talking and kick it to somebody else. Uh, Jen, um, what about you? What worked for you, uh, especially on, on this show? I thought it was, I just, I liked one of the things that just was, I don't know, charming is the weird word for it, how she goes back to this small town. And she thinks that her grandmother's not going to find out. Like, she's telling everyone. She sees everyone. But she thinks Bonnie and her grandmother aren't going to... Nobody, nobody tell them. Don't tell. <laughs> it's small town Oklahoma. What the hell else does anyone have to do but gossip? Come on. And roller skate, apparently. Um, and yeah. kill people with ski balls. But um, while wearing blue camouflage and... What the hell Walmart special was that woman wearing? I was like... <laughs> That whole scene, I I was 
sitting next to Katie when I watched it, Katie and Rana. And I just, I think I was sliding out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. I enjoyed the hell out of that roller rink scene. Um, the scene with the two people trying to keep a hostage and she's watching that mommy hostage negotiator. <laughs> I don't know the little details. I think there were a lot of little details in this about like small town life, middle America, um, the two, the two white people trying to bargain with Graham Greene's character. <laughs> so a couple days after this premiered, so you know my boyfriend works in Northern California. I saw all the whole series before he did. He was watching it while I was out at buying antiques, uh, buying some vintage stuff. Or I just redid my bathroom, and he texts me out of the blue. He just randomly will text me quotes from things he's watching sometimes. And he texts me and it's all one word buy the damn thing, buy the damn thing. And I'm in an antique store. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to buy the damn thing, you know, <laughs> not realizing he's watching echo. And then it clicks and I'm like, Oh, Oh, he's at that scene. He's at that scene. I thought he was giving me permission. I spent like $120. So I thought he was giving me permission. Um, he, not that he, he needs just really wanted it. I have That's my own what it was. Uh, it yeah, was all for really me. So, it. you know, sure. I'm sure he totally wanted all that vintage stuff for my peach and mint green bathroom. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, it was the little things like that, that just, that made it like gave it that little underlying charm and biscuits driving by in the destroyed yes. mail truck while his grandma's delivering mail. I, it was those little things that, didn't quite make up for the pacing but that gave it a little something where it's like oh you tried here <laughs> could you yeah. have spread that out somewhere else <laughs> but um no you know there so those were the highlights for me like the little humor that they put in it um like you the the things with the ancestors in the cave like i i appreciated that i i enjoyed it but <laughs> at first i was confused for a second i'm like didn't we just see this in what if <laughs> so I was like, wait, blowing oh, oh. blue yeah. water underground. Hold on. I just saw this. So <laughs> that, that threw me for a little bit because I watched that episode. I watched the what if like five times all the way through because, you know, well, if you know me and you know me and Captain Carter, I like watched Carter. that season of what if a lot. So, um, you know, but it was really it was interesting for me to see. And then the way they wove the different stories together. And then when when she found the um that beautiful outfit on the the dress mannequin and you know just it was the little details I think for me that were the most that really kind of pulled it all together um it didn't make me forgive the pacing but I I enjoyed it and I, you could tell the care and the love that went into a lot of it and the the research and the work um you know from my perspective and again from the outside because I don't have a background in that I'm as white as a loaf of Wonder Bread. And so anything where I'm learning about another culture, whether it's deaf culture, which I learned a lot about, or indigenous culture, I'm appreciating it. Um, I watched some behind the scenes stuff because I wanted to see how much was like, I'm like, okay, how much did they really research this? And then I was, I was very pleasantly surprised to learn, you know, the work they put into it. So, and, and Marvel is pretty good with that. They don't, tend to half-ass it too much I don't think so you know they want to do their best to get it right so um yeah so I I like that uh, I like by the way uh oh. oh yeah yes absolutely I'm oh, sorry I cut you off what were you gonna say no, I said little details that was just that was it mm -hmm. 
Sounds good. Um, by the way, um, Andy redeemed hydrate, so everybody go ahead and take a sip. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Jen, a hundred percent. The the little details and you know the little specks of humor that we got and something that that's you know otherwise a pretty a pretty dour project, you know, a very serious project, not dour but serious. Um, it 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 added so much color and flair to this show, which I really enjoyed. Um, I remembered what I was going to say. I, I actually really liked the overarching theme about violence begetting violence and nature versus nurture here. Um, you know, we, we have this 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 young girl who's being raised by a monster who's only been only ever known violence. So what is what happens? She learns violence and that persists throughout the, the entirety of her life you know, up until adulthood. And it's not until this this episode that we realize that there is a nature to her and to her ancestors that radiates of love and how that triumphs really over this, how, how she uses that to overcome the traumas and the, you know, the, the, the effects of this violence that has basically, uh, you know, been thrusted on her since she was a little girl. Um, and that that to me was one of the more beautiful things about this series is her learning to become not the villain that we saw her in Hawkeye, but a genuine being of love, despite the fact that I think it's so dumb the way that she dispatches a fist and this just runs off because she like he puts her love powers on him. Um, but but apart from that, uh, the sentiment behind it and the themes behind it, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um Tony, what about you? Uh, what worked for you on this? Like, really, the the biggest things that, you know. My favorite brand of comedy is uh, Native folks taking advantage of white folks' prejudices and ignorance. <laughs> so the pawn shop scene <laughs> was just, like, amazing. Um, and it reminded me of another Graham Greene uh, film. And it was, um, I don't know if, any, if everybody has seen uh, Maverick. It's a Mel Gibson movie. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, I've seen mornings, it. Yeah, but, Foster, uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. yeah, Graham Greene is fantastic in that movie. For me, he steals the entire show. Uh, but he plays like just like a dude conning his way through the old west, taking advantage of old of old white folks' prejudices and ignorance yeah. in order to like make a living for himself and his family. And it's amazing. It's hilarious. And then to like see him playing shades of that in this movie in a pawn shop, I was like, oh my God, it's just like, oh my. And so I like had a nice moment. Um, and I just love all the, it was very clear from like the touches of like specific music choices and like fashion and like um, recognizing like t-shirts from like specific native brands and like uh biscuits dog is called billy jack for those of you that are unfamiliar with the billy jack films it's um <laughs> it's a white dude who plays the lead but he's uh he's mixed navajo and so basically it's like cult status within the community because like it's a series of films that focuses in on like the mistreatment of native peoples and like billy jack's our hero who's standing up for like Ooh. on behalf of native people and he's literally like, you know, kicking, you know, racist white folks in the face. So it's like it was like really popular in the 70s and like especially like within the community. So just like these little touches here and there. And like the fact that like it's just like my dad, my dog, Billy Jack. If you don't know those films, if you're not in the community, it would have just been like, OK, cool. Hi, Billy Jack. But it, when you know, you're just kind of like, oh, 
That's amazing. That's exactly <laughs> what you should name that dog. And it just kind of was like a nice little wink from the writers to like, let them know that like, this is a native show. This is about like a native family. And I think that that's like so incredibly important. And it's like these nuances and these details that like have to be inserted. Otherwise, yeah, anybody could have written it and you could have just cast a whole, you know, and we've seen those projects before where it's like, yeah, it's representation, but like that texture of like community is just kind of like lacking. And so the fact that that's in there was like, it just meant a lot to me. Um, and I really, really did love the involvement from uh, the Choctaw Nation because that's like, we're seeing these examples of like involvement and engagement with, you know, specific tribes and specific things. Cause unfortunately in the past, we've seen very bad examples where brands and companies just try to get like this broad, like for example, me as a seminal person can't really say like, yeah, I'm going to give my blessing to this Choctaw story. Like that's just like not within, that's not within my authority or purview to do because like, my culture is not the same as Choctaw. So I wouldn't be able to do that. But we've seen brands do that before where they're like, well, we had consultants and we had this really awesome, you know, endorsement from this particular organization or these particular folks, or we have indigenous writers. It's like, yeah, but do you have involvement from the community that you're actually trying to portray and you're trying to create representation on their behalf without actually engaging with that specific community? And the fact that they taken the step to make sure that it was so involved with that specific tribe and with that specific community. I thought that that was a great example for other, you know, organizations and for other brands to follow. And like, I'm sure somewhere along the line. And again, like, I'm not like the opinion that people should be listening to when it comes to this specific story, definitely prioritize like Choctaw's perspectives, but from my own limited knowledge and from what I've seen so far just within the discourse, it seemed like it's been overwhelmingly positive. I'm sure somebody out there has like, you know, some critiques, but I just appreciate that there was just so much more, you know, so much more engagement and so much more involved. So like the inclusion of the creation story, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. The inclusion of like uh, specific uh, stories of, and I don't know if this is uh, like uh, the, the scenes of like the stickball game, I don't know if that game is called stickball, but it's like, it looks like the stickball game that I know from back home. So like, again, it's just like, it was really nice to see those inclusions. And even though like, again, not my culture, but to know that there's enough similarities there that I feel like it feels good. It feels authentic. And then at the same time to know, you know, on a deeper level, on a more meta level, to know that there was engagement from, you know, that specific tribe is really, really nice. And that is the way that it should be handled. So yeah, I was I was very pleased with the way they chose to engage with that. Wonderful. I'm I'm really glad that you got something out of that because I I couldn't speak uh, on any sort of indigenous level. I think um, you you having a little bit of that lineage is you know a lot more meaningful than than some other people who would just you know watch us and see a Marvel show. I didn't even know about Billy Jack, so you know that's pretty great. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you <laughs> you called that out. Um, we are running a little bit low on time. Um, and I just, I have one last topic that I want to, you know, get to everyone, um, before we actually do outros, which is the future of Echo and her future in the MCU and potential predictions. Obviously we saw in the tag scene that Kingpin's going to run for mayor. And if you follow the comics, uh, there was a really famous story arc recently called Devil's Reign. 
uh, which I think they're going to be pulling from where Kingpin really does become uh, mayor of New York City and the, the street level heroes, including Daredevil, led by Daredevil, really are going to stop him. Um, and I'm kind of half wondering if that's the direction that they're going and if Maya Lopez will be a part of that. Um, that's where I think it's going. And to answer the question for myself, um, you know, if I'd want to see Maya Lopez go there and see her again more in the MCU, my answer would be yes. But I want to see what you guys think. What do you do? You guys want to see more of Maya Lopez in the MCU, and where do you think that that's headed? Um, and Jen, I'm going to start with you first. Um, thoughts on the future of Maya Lopez and whether or not you'd want that? <laughs> oh yeah, I would love to see her again. Um, she needs to bring biscuits, but not to New York because he needs to be protected at all costs. Um, yeah, I don't, like I said, I'm not real familiar with Daredevil. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, so I don't want to make any predictions or guesses. That would be very sure. wildly incorrect. Um, <laughs> I have such a such a terrible feeling about what New York would be like with, <laughs> with, with, with Fisk as the mayor. Um, but yeah, oh God, those poor interpreters. They better just run. They all need to leave New York <laughs> right now um, because they're all going to die. No, um, I would like to see her again. I would like to see her in a team up. I think that would be cool. Maybe, maybe she and Hawkeye could mend some fences. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I I would like to bring her back. Um, I like what you said. Um, I don't have a lot of knowledge on it, so I'm going to go with what Mike said. I'm going to steal his homework. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I imagine. Fisk running New York would be very similar to America in 2017. No, don't Anyways. say that. Don't. <laughs> um, I'm not to go there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We 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 could tell though. I mean, we we've seen it. Um, that being said, um, Tony, where future of Maya Lopez? Do you want to see more of her, and where, where do you think it's going, or where would you want to see it going? I, 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 okay. I personally believe that not every Marvel project has to be an Avengers project. So I like these smaller scale stories. I like when it's a little bit more ground level and it doesn't have to be in New York in order to be a ground level uh, project. So I kind of like the idea. And I think that's, we're not really told or kind of like led to believe what the trajectory of mine is going to be by the end of this project. And I think it is interesting to see what that might be like without Kingpin, because even that relationship has been left so ambiguous where it's like, yeah, the healing touch of love. I don't know where that leaves him and how he feels about her or how she feels about him or she just kind of feels like, you know what, that's not really a chapter I'm willing to kind of like engage with unless it comes knocking on my door again. We don't know. But I do like the fact that it's just so open-ended. And there is a part of me that wonders like, yeah, I really don't need to see her back in New York. I really don't need to see her back with Kingpin because she's already shot the dude in the face. What more could she do? Like what else is, <laughs> what what new ground is there left to tread? So yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see like where this might go. And especially knowing that there are other indigenous like characters within the MCU and specifically like heroes and even superheroes out there. And even to see if there might be an opportunity there for like a team up or collaboration, that seems to be, that's way more interesting to me than just dropping her back into New York. Cause it just feels like what more we're going to kill him again. 
all right, we've done it again. May as well. Like part two. It just feels like back to the future too. At that point, let's do it again, guys from the top. So yeah, I, I think it, the possibilities of just like something completely divorced from that would be really, really fantastic. Great thoughts, honestly. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I mean, a standalone Maya Lopez echo season two would be really interesting. Just exploring more of the characters and just keeping her in her own little, you know, portion of the universe. That'd be kind of cool. Um, Michael, what about you? Final thoughts on um, where you want to see Maya going and if you want to see Maya again. Uh, yeah, I would like to see her again. I think um, they definitely will probably bring her back for the Kingpin storyline uh, in New York at some point. But I would think, uh, I think it would be really fun to see some of those characters like Daredevil or Punisher maybe show up in her town and like mm. maybe have to do some investigating there and have to, you know, interact with some of the people that we met in this, in this series. I think that'd be great to like um, change it up a bit because everything's in New York. I'm just kind of tired of every, everything yeah. being all, all there. And I really, I was really invested in this, like this town and these people that are in it. So it'd be great yeah. to see some other, um, you know, superheroes show up in that world. And I think that'd be kind of fun. That would be really cool. Plus biscuits would not have to go to New York and he'd be a little bit more safe yeah. too. So, Keep him safe there. Yeah. Um, go roller skating with Frank. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if she became like a defender of like native communities, I mean, like there's a multitude of native communities just even within like oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah like, there could be a case. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Why is there like I would love to see just like a series of her like on her motorcycle going from like res to res. Like I, I think mm -hmm. that would be so awesome and like dealing with whatever little because there's crime and stuff there too. Why can't we go ahead and like? Yeah. I mean, very true. Operations even within her hometown. So why can't that be the same for like? Yeah. Yeah, a criminal underworld yeah. within all these places. And maybe you can introduce, you can introduce Moon Path or like some of the other you know Native American superheroes that have been you know throughout Marvel universe. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, It'd be great. Well, guys, uh, though we could do this all day, we must wrap up, uh, unfortunately. And uh, that being said, I am so grateful for your time and your input and your thoughts. They were brilliant. This was such a great conversation. I'm so grateful for it. Um, so as we, as we make our outros, I want to kick it to you guys and just, uh, ask where everyone can find you. Michael, I'll start you first, uh, start with you first. Uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, grip C47 on all socials. That's about it. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Michael. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony, how about you? Where can everyone find you? You guys can find me at the Tony Sanchez, Tony with an I Sanchez with a Z. Wonderful. Uh, Jen, uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, do at underscore as underscore Peggy says, and our cosplay group is at California Avengers. And if you are participating in Cupid's Undie Run by chance tomorrow for the neurofibro, my neurofibro, uh, I can't remember. It's NF because it's a long, <laughs> it's a long condition. Um, we uh, will be out there cheering on the racers and helping them stay on course tomorrow in Santa Monica. So that'll be fun. It's our first big event of the year. So. Yes, of course. Uh, wonderful. Um, and I've been Mike Manalo at TidyBullBoy182 on all socials, but you can also find my work on uh, thenerdsofcolor.org, whattowatch.com, and that's at LA. And uh, yeah, honestly, until next time, um, you guys, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, Andy, Katie, everyone who's was able to make it tonight, this was wonderful. Uh, thank you guys for getting involved and, and you know, interacting with us. And uh, don't forget to tune in to Monday's show, 
uh, where we'll be talking about one of the best rom-coms of the 2000s, 51st Dates. Um, until then, guys, thank you guys for everything. Thank you guys for watching and have a great night and a great weekend. Stay safe.